almost all aviation services practice the routine of cannibalizations. When used effectively, cans can bridge the part shortest gap to fulfill operations. However, this practice has been ineffectively deployed, thus directly affecting operations and morale. This is can do. Can do. Can and and do. just so everybody knows, all right, all of our listeners know, like these motherfuckers, uh, uh, they don't they don't understand cans. They're dogging on cans. They should understand that that's necessary sometimes. Yeah, okay, but this is from a report done by the government accountability accountability office, and the title of it. Well, it's for military aircraft, and the title of it's cannibalizations adversely affect personnel and maintenance. <laughs> so even the government, so even the government said this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Say it ain't so. If adversely affect maintenance and personnel, what? Yeah, and this. Uh, so everybody knows this. We're we're going through a report here today. So six found a report a couple weeks back, and we've been kind of reading through it a little bit and just laughing and shaking our heads of, of how how true some of this information is, but this reports from, uh, 2001, yeah. May, May 22nd to be exact of 2001. So 20, 20 years ago, the same, you're going to, you're going to find out the same issues still exist today and probably existed 20 years before that. Probably back all the way back to the right brothers. <laughs> They're probably <laughs> we're like, where the hell is that new part at? Oh yeah. We don't have a supply chain. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I didn't whittle it out of wood yet. <laughs> I need to like uh, take pieces or a piece of fabric from my kite to get it going. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying, what do you think the the Wright brothers, their can system? They, oh, I need, I need a new chain, so they took it off their bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so this report, uh, as MVP said, like this is a, a observation and an analysis over a five year period. So this was like fiscal year nineteen ninety six to about fiscal year two thousand. So about five years. And this five-year trend, although it was 20 years ago, I can guarantee there, there's going to be a lot of you out there who's just going to be shaking their head and just doing the vertical head now. Like, yep, yep, that still happens 100%. Because when it still happened when we were going through almost all of this mess. And it's it still happened when we were doing our inspections as quality personnel, not like two weeks ago. <laughs> 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 so, so... So moving on with this, all right, we're going to hit up the summary section first. Uh, starting off with all military services use cannibalization extensively as a routine aircraft maintenance strategy. Uh, from 96 through 2000, the Navy and the Air Force reported about 850,000 cannibalizations requiring over 5 million maintenance hours. These numbers, however, do not include the Army's cannibalizations, and the Navy reportedly understates its data by as much as 50%. As much as 50 <laughs> Holy shit. 50%. Oh, my as, God. Oh, my God. As a result, neither the Department of Defense nor the services know the overall mag magnitude of the practice. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Oh my gosh, it's hysterical. Okay, okay, real fast for everybody. So for everyone who's not 100% versed on this, a cannibalization is where we have an aircraft that's broken for whatever reason, has a problem, and it, we've isolated down to one part, one or a couple of parts. So 
instead of waiting for new ones to come in from supply or from factory or from wherever else we get new parts, we take the required ones from another known good aircraft and then stick it into one that's broke. That's in essence what a cannibalization is. And then what this report is talking about is just how often these happen and why people do it. <laughs> and as and we just said, uh, they under they understate their figures by as much as 50%. <laughs> Oh my God, man! The next time, the next time I get the the government on me saying you're not reporting the stuff accurately, well, neither are you as of 20 <laughs> years ago either. <laughs> so, so, and as Six said, you know, from a known good aircraft, um, I've also have worked on programs in the past that are they're trying to reuse uh, existing uh, parts from you know even Vietnam era aircraft. Uh, as a cost saving measure, right? Why, yes. why, why reinvent the wheel when I got a bunch of these, these sitting in a factory somewhere or a warehouse somewhere. Okay. So we pull those out and we stab them in, but then, then things break on them. Parts break on them and you're going, well, nobody's making these parts new, right? It's too old, too old of a system. So your can aircraft comes from one that's been sitting in a boneyard or even a museum. We've even gone into museums in certain instances and canned parts out of museum aircraft to make a good flyable asset in the field. So, I mean, you might have one that's been sitting in the dirt for 25, 30 years, and you're going out there ripping that part out, bench testing it, NDIing it, whatever the case is, depending on the part, and then stabbing it into a flying aircraft. So it's... <laughs> I'm like here, just sitting here, like just like licking away. Like yeah, I've done those before, <laughs> and I'm sure yeah, other somewhere, people somewhere have... there's an FAA manual that just burst into flames. <laughs> oh shit! And then <laughs> so we've we've addressed, you know, that cannibalizations have severe adverse effects or adverse impacts. I would say they increase maintenance costs because of the workload it takes to get them don't going. They affect morale. I mean job retention, re-enlistment in the, in the military's case. <clears throat> and can you imagine that? Hey, how about, how about you re-enlist to hell with this? I'm sick of cannon parts. I can't do with this no more. <laughs> I'm getting the hell out. Right? <laughs> Give me my DD 250. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And over, over half of the maintenance personnel who have done these cannibalizations worked at least 50 hours a week. That doesn't sound like much to most people. But considering that over that extra however many that extra 10 hours of your work life is just spent cannibalizing parts. Some of them even more than 50. Some goes into 70 for a whole 80 hours in a week. Hell, I know at one point in time I worked is it 220 hours in two in a two week period? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Cannon parts and part and part of that was cannon parts. I'm not going to lie to you. That's craziness, man. That's it is. It's crazy. That's, that's terrible, right? And <clears throat> we're we're sitting here laughing about all this stuff, but this I, and the the part that makes me laugh the most is this is a twenty year report, and this still happens. <laughs> like the part where it was talking about how a service reports it it misreports its uh, cannibalization by fifty percent. I've seen that happen. <laughs> I, I've seen that happen, and how how, how some of them get away with it is. They don't just say, oh, we're cannibalizing. They say we're removing to reinstall later. That's their verbiage. 
that's nowhere better. But that's whatever they can do to minimize saying that they actually logged a cannibalization hour. I guess the better for them. I would assume. I don't. I, I mean, a can's a can, man. Like if you need the part, that's what you do. But I guess uh, when you get um, questioned as much as po- as many times as you do for cannibalizing, you probably try as much as you can to fudge the numbers a little bit. I would assume. It, yeah. It's all about them numbers, as we've we've stated in the past. But uh, so, so might be wondering why we can parts, and per the government, they couldn't figure it out twenty years ago either. Uh, the services have many reasons for cannibalizing aircraft, and strong incentives for continuing to do so. With the exception of the Navy, the services do not consistently track the specific specific reason for cannibalizations. As a result, much of the information on, uh, on causes is anecdotal. In the broad, broadest sense, cannibalizations are done because of pressure to meet readiness with operational needs and the shortcomings of the supply system. So we need to fly a mission and we don't have parts available. And that goes back to what we kind of just said of using ancient parts and nobody's making new ones. So we have to constantly pull out, reinspect, reuse uh, worn out, tired, tired equipment. Yeah. And all to meet that schedule. Yep. Absolutely. And like, and, and this isn't even in a wartime sense. I mean, yeah, over the last 20 years, we've been at war, but let's, let's face it. I mean, we're, it, how am I saying it? We're not uh, scrambling jets because we have the Luftwaffe coming in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, uh, and also like majority of these cannibalizations that we go through, they're for training missions or for like yeah. just, familiarization flights you know like if we're actually in the zone and we're actually using this to do what it needs to do got it we're not without a question but a lot of these other ones were like it's in the continental united states it's in a training uh cycle it's in a um a situation where the training or the the air quote mission doesn't exactly have to be accomplished so hard or so so bad but we do that anyway because hey, we need to get this training done. We need to get this flight done. We need to get this revenue flight done. I'm like, do we though? Do we? All right. So that's training from the pilot's end. But but listen to this. Uh, the Navy did a study and found out that cannib- cannibalizations are sometimes done because mechanics are not trained well enough to diagnose problems or because testing equipment is either not available or not working. <laughs> Say it ain't so. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm being personally attacked here. Yeah, right. I'm in this picture and I'm attacked. <laughs> Jeez. The me- mechanics are not trained well enough to diagnose problems. Or the equipment to do so is either broken or not available. So so what's so what's so weird about that statement? Again, the report's 20 years old, but we are going, I I am going through this exact uh you know, issue, uh, with local, uh, military right now. Um, they have also brought up this, uh, the military, right. Has brought it up to the private contract saying, ah, you guys, we don't feel you're trained well enough, but yet you don't have anybody trained to even approach the aircraft. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's kind of funny that they're willing to point the fingers here, but, uh, right here alone, they're, they're, they don't have the proper training to do it either. So interesting. Yeah. And and then 
you get a they get again this goes back to the pressure of operations and getting the flights to happen whether military or civilian right it has to happen this is how we make our money this is how we uh get the mission done and all this and that so a lot of times they just see it as the fill the gap now kind of thing right you fill the gap get the mission done or get the revenue flight off off the ground and let's just move on with life sure yeah well, it's viewed as a short-term problem. Our short-term problem is I need to fix this jet so it can make the flight tomorrow. The long-term is uh, I need to get a replacement part to fix the one that I took it from or to fix the one that we put the canned part into to put the original part back into the canned aircraft. Yeah. That, that, that would so be... so it said... Go ahead. No, like, that would be the normal cycle, right? The part breaks, we take it from a good aircraft or a semi-decent aircraft or air, a broken aircraft with the... With a known good part, stick it into the one that's broke, and then once a new part comes in, we stick it into the the the, the aircraft we cannibalized it from. In theory, that's what's supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah, in theory, it never happens. I want to touch back on that one statement about about lack of training, and then um, and then test equipment not available or not working. How many yeah. times have you and I, at least together, been there when? That the company has one test set to share between numerous locations with both in and outside of the, uh, Conus and Oconus, essentially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and hey, how long is this mod going to take? Well, we're done with it. Well, why isn't it green status yet? Well, we have to do the the ops check before we before we can green it up. Okay, so what are you waiting on the test set? Where is it at? Uh, it's over at this foreign location. When can we expect it? They said they'll be done with it in two weeks. Uh, we can maybe see it a week and a half after that. So the aircraft sits for weeks, months, just waiting, waiting. Work is done, just waiting on a, on a test set that's that's not there. Or hey, how about this one? Remember that? Remember this? You and I went through this. Hey, uh, where's the part? Go to the tool crib. Yeah, tool crib sent all of the exact same test equipment out to get recalibrated. Oh my god. <laughs> Who set that up? <laughs> Who set that up for all of them to be on the same, the same damn month to go out for recalibration? You know, but that's that's very real. That's what happens. Yeah. Matter of fact, I ran into this issue just last week where we were doing a Torx on a whole bunch of jobs, and part of the inspection is to verify the calibration of the torque equipment, right, or the wrenches yep. and all this other stuff. Yep. All, all almost. I like I think we used like 15 uh different calibrated tools and out of the 15 eight of them were all due on the same day. I'm like holy shit this is going to f- Yeah, I don't know what you guys got to do you better figure it out cuz I'd send some of them now and that way at least you're not out like the eight out of the 15 fucking tools but yeah yeah I'd, yeah. I'd notify somebody from support pretty quick. Yeah, it's like you guys might want to bring that up like today. <laughs> it's, it's so it's it's an it's an ever ongoing problem and it hasn't been fixed up to this point and I doubt it will be anytime soon because the concept of just make it work continually used to pull numerous multiple programs, units, whatever you want to say through. Uh and then because it's because that's working, uh nothing else will be changed. They yeah. say it'll be changed, but it takes months to years to get those inputs put into actual verbiage yeah and then the, the, the a group studying air aviation readiness 
noted that as many as half of all cannibalizations may go unreported. And the Navy's inspector general reported that cannibalizations are consistently unreported. Holy shit. <laughs> you know, and again, this goes back like when you cannibalize, it looks bad. It, it's it looks bad, but it's not it's not terrible, depending on how often it happens. OK, we'll go a little bit into that. But if it happens, it happens. You just got to do it. But after so many that do happen, it starts to really make people start questioning, like, what the fuck are you doing? So in the Navy inspector general's case where the cannibalization. Did you say Navy inspector general? <laughs> I said general. Damn it. <laughs> Fuck. I did say that, huh? Oh, my God. Inspector general. <laughs> Just make their genitals. <laughs> so He's totally I was going to tie in with what you, <laughs> what you said before you said genitals. How, how, many, how many times have you gone through and if you're working on a computer-based you know, maintenance system or whatever else and it's tied in with your parts tracking and all that kind of stuff and you go to reinstall a part on an aircraft and it says cannot install a part that's already installed and you're like the hell you're holding the part in your hand going, but it's not on the aircraft somebody down somebody back however long when when that part was taken off of that original aircraft never annotated it as we're reading from this report and then fast forward through the through the millennia through five years and it goes to get reinstalled in the original part but it's never been removed so <laughs> Per the documentation, it still thinks it's there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've ran into that a whole bunch of times. Like, what do you mean it never came off? Like, it's I'm like you said. Like, I have it in my hands. How? What do you mean it never came off? And then, and then you once start uh, looking back. Like, okay, when did it come off? Right. Like now, now you gotta like uh, get the time stone and somehow travel back to everybody's mindset of like when the actual part removal occurred so you can at least track the hours correctly and that's another reason why a lot of stuff that goes unreported because majority of these parts they're tracked by flight hours and i'd be curious to know which parts though if they did a study out of how many how many parts are they are they cycled parts are they houred parts are they oh they go by days even oh they are they are they yeah date dates right you know uh i don't know i'd be curious to know that because that, that that starts getting in dangerous realms. You got a part that's supposed to be inspected every, let's just say every 20, 20 flights, you got to NDI a certain part or whatever, but that's not been, that's not being done. And the part just keeps getting removed and removed and removed and swapped around and, and thrown around. Uh, when does it become dangerous? Right? Yeah. Matter of fact, I think you and I went into a, a, a situation like that a whole bunch of times where like, for instance, with uh, external pods, <laughs> So like, oh, yeah, uh, after so many. So these are like calendar day inspections. Like, I think it was every 28 calendar days or 60 calendar days, something like that. Anyways, with these external pods, like you're supposed to do a, an inspection on these every so many calendar days. And it's tagged up against the aircraft itself. But if you remove the pods, then the inspections go away. They just disappear. Air quote disappear. Right. And mm -hmm. in theory, these external pods are supposed to be tracked by support equipment or whoever uh, own, physically takes custody of those parts. They're supposed to track the day inspections on these. But that's how they kind of like sweep that under the rug. Like, oh, the aircraft's down for such and such inspection. Oh, okay, cool. Just drop the part or drop the pod and then it disappears. But then when you go to hang the pod up again to any aircraft, now however many days, weeks, months, years even, 
where these yeah, pods it's all like reset. Yeah. And then it, once you plug it back on or hook it back up to a plane, all those inspections pop back up again. And now this thing's like air quote been down for 400 days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's tracking this? Oh, well, it's not been installed or anything. So no, we haven't really been looking at it. Awesome. Well, now we have about 6,500 checks to do. Yeah. Now, can you imagine in that? In the next four hours to make that, that launch time. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Like, you're, say you're a, a production planner or operations planner. Let, let's, let's play that game where you're, you're tracking the planes. Good to go. Absolutely good to go. And the only thing you need to do is hang some kind of external stores on this. Everything's fine and gravy. As soon as you hang that on the stores, you're now your negative 400 something days on an inspection. <laughs> imagine like the bean counters, like somewhere in budgeting and financing or hell, the government for that matter see that go from zero to negative 400 <laughs> days of an inspection. Like what the fuck just happened? <laughs> All right. So we've talked about Navy and air force and they're not, they're not always reporting. Right. So they, they don't leave, they don't leave the old army out of this either. Oh, no. uh, so according to army officials, only a small portion of army army cannibalizations are reported for serial numbered parts. The army does not track cannibalizations service wide and does not require subordinate commands to do so. Uh, several army headquarters officials, uh, agreed that cannibalization should be tracked so as to provide an overall picture of the degree to which units uh, are performing cannibalizations. Well, they agree, but they, it's one of those, yeah, yeah, that sounds good, but it's Friday and that sounds like a Monday problem. And then they forget (laughs) about it for Monday and here it just 20 years goes by. Ah, that was, (laughs) that was fast. You know, (laughs) did we ever ever look into that problem? I don't know. No. And I think I get out next week, so that's uh that's the next guy's problem. <laughs> does not let him use that to make rank. Uh does not require subordinate commands to do so. Jesus, man. Like no wonder no wonder why. It, it makes it makes me um wonder, like so uh, I'm I'm kinda going on a large tangent over here. So like the uh, aircraft that got abandoned and somehow taken over by the Taliban. Um hearing looking at this report and then how some of our experiences and then you see them flying with that thing, I I really wonder how long those cannibalized parts are going to last before they finally take a dive, uh, take that long dart trip, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, they're obviously not probably not doing any inspections or nothing like that. They're just going to run them till the wheels fall off <laughs> or skids, depending on what it is. Right now. Now, nor- normally there, there is a standard for these, right? So if everyone's freaking the fuck out, like, what the fuck? So all these cannibalizations, they we mentioned it before that there is a way to track it. There is a standard that they're supposed to adhere to. And normally it goes for every hundred flight hours, no more than 10% of it can be cans, right? Or cannibalizations, whatever. And I mean, even even if it was a hundred like one can every hundred hours, that's that's understandable. That's average. But uh, just based off of this study, the Navy's average cannibalization rate ranged up to 9.6% and for a, a low of 8.8%. So that means for every every 100 hours, you're spending eight between 8 to 10 hours of cannibalizing. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. And then uh, in fiscal year uh, 2000, four of the 63 aircraft types that reported cannibalizations had more than twice the average, and then two of them had almost twice that, uh, twice of that even. So you have two aircraft out of the entire of the entire fleet of sixty three different types can have as much as sixteen 
to eight to twenty percent average cannibalization hours for every one hundred hours of flying. Christ. Sounds like it sounds like sounds like people were making shit boxes from the factory. <laughs> <laughs> Hoop the aircraft out in the service fleet wide. Jeebus, yeah. And and then it goes to say, like, uh, of the thirty-one Air Force aircraft types, four of them accounted for over half of the service's total. Christ. <laughs> Let's let, well, well, all right. So we're gonna some of you are probably gonna get mad because oh, I was one of those guys. <laughs> but here, we're gonna let you know right now which of you worked on ship boxes. Uh these aircraft included three fighter jets. The 16 Charlie, 15 Charlie, and the 15 Echo, and the B-1 Bomber. Now, I worked with a, a, a gentleman currently who was a B-1 Bomber guy back in his uh, younger days, and we had one take off at work the other day, and it probably wasn't 500 feet off the deck, and he looks and he goes, I bet that motherfucker's already code red, and then takes a long drag on a cigarette. And sure enough, it did a lap around the airfield and landed. We find out that something broke on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! Oh, dude, like the B, like this chart right here for the B one bomber. So, like, out of a hundred sorties, uh, about cannibalizations per one hundred sorties, eighty five point four hours were spent on cannibalizations. <laughs> 80, 85.4 out of 100 sorties I mean let, let's let, let, I'm stuck at math man but for every 100 hours and then 85 out of 100 sorties 85 hours of it was spent on cannibalizations Christ <laughs> like can you imagine being the commander of that like hey what's your readiness like don't even start with me alright like they sit down <laughs> at their weekly Monday morning staff meeting all right, uh, Commander so-and-so, what's your readiness look like for the bomber fleet? Don't even start. I don't want to hear your shit. <laughs> or they probably do it as a joke, you know, like, hey, B-1, you guys up? Like, shut up, man. You know, before they even open some words fly, I was about like, you don't need to answer that. I was just kidding. We know you guys are down. <laughs> like, hey, everybody, we've sent out the invite for next week's uh, readiness meeting. Uh, bomber group, we've excluded you because, well, what's the point? <laughs> oh shit terrible 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 oh terrible. my god oh we, yeah. that's so funny that, that's, even more than a and then the c5s yeah those were only at 42 to 54 and c5s break all the time all the time yeah in the in the b52 that ancient ass aircraft even that's at way less hours than the c5 and the uh in the b1 that's crazy that is isn't it it's out of control now we, we we're talking quite a lot of shit, but the fact is this stuff's it, it's happened. And in 20 years, it's still happening. And it's the same exact problem. Right. And the reason why we do this again is so we can meet operational and readiness needs, but doing these things come at a very high cost. Right. Uh, evidence showing that increased the workload of maintenance personnel has a negative effect on their morale. The cannibalizations themselves also take expensive aircraft out of service sometimes for long periods of time, and they can create more unnecessary problems. Uh, example is like when they go to take the part out, they could damage it on the way out or they some they don't handle it correctly. And then now we got two broken planes with two broken parts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that happens all the time. They were born from this bird. Uh, hey, so now both aircraft are done. What happened? Uh, on the way over to the other aircraft, we dropped the part off the cart. 
So it's got to be sent back for overhaul. What the? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I, I've seen some parts where like once they're in, there's like there's no coming out, you know, or it's really hard to 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 take it out and still have it relatively usable. Right. Um, like once you install it, like the only time you're going to take this out is if it fucking shits itself. Like, and then to take it apart and put it in something else and not damaging it on the way in, that's a whole nother slew of craziness. So, I mean, you're really just, you're really better off just waiting for a new one. However long that's going to fucking take. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, every, it's always better to try to get a new one or at least, a. Uh zero zero timed item from from overhaul or repair or whatever you can get right but but half the time that's not working either look cannibal, cannibalizations require at least twice the maintenance time of normal normal repairs because they involve removing and installing components from two aircraft instead of one well, all right and they even provide this nifty little chart here Ooh. let's go let's go through the repair the repair has two two components of it remove the old part out and even has a little van there for su- supply system. Uh, and the new part goes in. Step one, old part out. Step two, new part in. Uh, the cannibalization uh, route has four parts, though. One being remove the old part. Two, take the good component from the canned aircraft to the recipient aircraft. Uh, which three is the installation into the recipient aircraft. And then four is getting a new part from the supply system to the canned aircraft but as the report and we have already said uh the supply system is broken in many cases and those parts aren't readily available so step four is uh they should put a calendar on there because uh god knows when those things are showing up (laughs) right or uh, how many times has anyone has ever had this happen where by the time you so they say we cannibalize this part because we need to make the schedule go like four hours ago and you've already uninstalled the, or you already removed the cannibalized part from the canned aircraft. And as soon as you take it to the new one or the, the recipient aircraft, the new part comes in and you're just like, well, so do I just take the new part and put it into the cannibalized aircraft? And then here's whoever the bean counter is like, no, put the new part in the, in the recipient aircraft and put the cannibalized part back to the canned aircraft link. Say what now? <laughs> yeah, so uh, we already installed and ops checked all this. We're we're good to fly. Nope, nope, nope. Take the orig- take that part out, put it back in the original aircraft, and then put the new part in the originally broken aircraft. Well well that's just wasting time and money. No, it makes the books look good. That's what we need to do. That part was with it, it needs to stay there. Well, I've already changed the paperwork over it, so it's okay. Like it's it's with the, it's with the new mom now, you know? <laughs> no, it's it has been- to go back. I Okay. All right. Sounds good. Sounds like somebody somewhere, a bean counter doesn't want to change something in their Excel spreadsheet. So they're like, no, it has to go back. (laughs) I like, I like this sentence, like, uh, right after the chart is this in the five year period, the Navy and air force reported spending about 5.3 million additional maintenance hours on cannibalizations, the equivalent of more than 500 aviation maintenance personnel working full time for five years. Oh my god. Holy cow. Oh my god. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Imagine that, man. Like, so we've worked the equivalent of hiring and having 500 new mecha- new mechanics and technicians working full time for five years. Christ. <laughs> with the amount of with the amount of uh, reported spending 
just yeah. for cans can hours holy yeah. cow wow that, that that's wow <laughs> look look they reported canned hours range from the low end of 951,000 to more than 1.1 million that's a lot of hours man i mean if you think it navy had 2.8 million hours air force had 2.4 million <laughs> yeah and and the army we can't even pull data on because they don't report it that's because they don't report it yeah we'd love to <laughs> add their information in but sadly they don't do anything with that yeah Ima- imagine paperwork that, what's that yeah 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 last <laughs> oh shit so Im- imagine that like so we work the equivalent of hiring 500 brand new technicians that that's really gonna fuck with your morale uh, or with your way of thinking right and it's it, it's crazy that even the report says that right uh like uh personnel must continue working until the job is done regardless of how how much time it takes we just said that <laughs> right especially like mm-hmm. let's take the old part or take the can part put it back on the original aircraft take the new one put it on the the recipient one even after we've already installed the can part in the recipient aircraft and then let's talk about the documentation on that first split second like uh in most cases nowadays the cannibalization documentation is very automatic like um i know for some services it's like impossible for you to to generate a cannibalization write-up unless you do actually do the physical swap but in some other places let's say like commercial aircraft or um, some smaller shop aircraft these cannibalization parts can get real fucky and it almost and it almost doesn't track the way you want it to and so you it kind of gets confusing like Wait, what what the fuck what just happened right so you get a lot of serial number swaps a lot of uh flight hour swaps I'm like what the fuck is going on with this thing <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and and then some of these hours they don't match up like uh oh that's that's what's a good one like they did a, a hot section and a cold section on, on an engine they're supposedly one whole section i mean they track as 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 simultaneously because it's one fucking engine but for whatever reason like the cold section has uh, X amount of hours and then the hot section has fucking Z hours. Like, what the fuck? How the hell are they so different? <laughs> it's the same engine. Yep, same engine, but uh, hot sections come up a lot a lot more frequently than, than your cold section. But that's just, be, you know, obvious nature of the beast, right? Heat, mm-hmm. Heat's got some adverse effects on things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was also, you know, curious about the numbers, you know, it seems from the report, the Navy has consistently more hours and cans and stuff. But you think that's because of the environments which the Navy operates in more? They're operating more in salty, salty environments, which obviously salt, salt water, sea air uh, has a lot more uh, adverse effects on components than, let's say, you know, the Air Force operating out of nevada or something like that you know what i mean right and i would agree to that uh that uh the environment does play a big factor but i uh just from the nature of the navy for instance uh a lot of theirs are carrier based so like they gotta stop it they gotta go from zero to 103 seconds and they gotta go from 100 to zero in 0.5 seconds you know so that that amount of stress i can only imagine just how much it wears and tears the aircraft and yeah landing on a on an actual runway versus smacking the deck of a carrier over and over yeah you know that's probably and then having a hook arrestor system uh to slow you down right so i, I gotta imagine yeah that's got some pretty 
pretty rough uh, wear and tear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Effects on morale. So we've, we've gone over it a couple of times, but the report has mentioned it a couple of times. Uh, evidence suggests that cannibalizations have a negative effect on morale because they are sometimes seen as routinely making unrealistic demands on maintenance personnel. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Once, once again, say it ain't so. <laughs> say it ain't so. You don't say. <laughs> unrealistic demands. Oh. Unrealistic demands. Get out of here. <laughs> what are those? What are those, says the mechanic to flight ops. <laughs> Yeah, personnel must continue working until the job is done, regardless of how much time it takes. Yeah, yeah. Had that happen a whole bunch of times where, like, uh, you get past, like, hey, this air, this flight needs to happen. And you're like, okay, cool. Like, you know, this is going to take, like, three, four, six hours, depending on the type model of the aircraft. Well, we need it ready in two. Like, excuse me? <laughs> yeah, so then you're, then you're there until the job's done. I mean, that, for me... In, in my past uh, careers and stuff, there's been many a cases where, I mean, you're, you're, you're out there for 48 plus hours straight. I mean, day and night working straight through just to get the thing flyable again. Yeah. I can only you imagine. What's funny is that I've always brought this up and, and flight ops has crew rest hours and everything else, you know, but there, there's really nothing for maintainers, which wouldn't you like, well, cause they're flying and it's stressful and they need to be at their best when they're flying. Like, yeah. Don't you want the person who's fixing the plane that keeps it serviceable and not falling out of the sky to be the same way. Nobody yeah. wants to have that conversation though. Right. We're not ready for that tea talk yet. Just yet. Right. And, and this kind of reminds me of like, uh, the crew rest thing you were just mentioning. Like there's this whole sleep chart that, um, the air crew has to abide by and it's like law right and some of them they've used that to their advantage we're like hey we need you to stay late to fix the plane that you just flew in it's like oh no i can't do it i got a crew rest i gotta fly again tomorrow i'm like say what now <laughs> you know yeah uh, you you only had a two-hour flight though today i don't i don't understand yeah but crew rest for tomorrow your flight tomorrow is only two hours again too i've been working for 48 straight okay yeah. Yeah, right, I'll just and, suck down another monster and move on. Yeah. And then the same guys who, who just called the crew rest card, you see them like after you get off work that they're still at the bar fucking getting smashed drunk. Like, what the hell, dude? Like the the whole like don't don't drink or dry don't drink or take any kind of medications within a twelve hour period of your flight time. Fuck that, right? Yeah. But but you pull that crew rest card real fast too, a bit. Dick. Oh yeah, <laughs> they, every time they do that. Yeah. Oh, dude. Uh, like, so going down this article too, it's like one example of how cannibalizations may be the source of waste and frustration is a case in which a major component needed by a EA-6 Bravo uh, aircraft to perform its mission was removed from or reinstalled on four different aircraft for a total of 16 times in six days. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. That's what, it's it's like it's the aircraft equivalent of musical chairs, man. Yeah, musical that's exactly part. what it is. Uh, oh, here, just the sentence right after it. Another case: a C five was missing 136 parts, 47 of which had been used to make another cannibalized aircraft operational. <laughs> <laughs> that ML list has to be miles long, bro. Miles long. Oh my god, 136 parts. Now I wish it would say what those parts were, but yeah. 47 was, hey, we're going to take your already 
uh, questionable flying aircraft. We're going to take some redundancy components out of it and put in this other also non-flyable aircraft. We're going to both m- make both of you flyable-ish. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Out of 136, 47 of them were, had been used for another plane. My God. <laughs> you know what? And that was probably just to make it out of the air so they could get out of Kabul and make it to Rota, Spain and be like, ah, oh, we're broken Spain again. <laughs> again, air quotes. Fucking C5s. <laughs> Christ. Oh, <laughs> fuck. That Should was the best show. part about flying on a C5, though, because you knew, you knew that thing was going to break. And they, they're so big, they can't land at certain places. So in a couple places in the world they're flying into when they're heading over to, like, say, Afghanistan, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you always pretty much knew you were going to be heading through Spain. You're like, ooh, I'm jumping on that C5. I'm going to have a couple of days in Spain, guaranteed. Sure enough, man, get to Spain. Oh, we're down. Parts broke. Hang out in the hotel for however long it takes to get us parts and fix it. Right. Because, you know, it's going to probably be another C5 or some bunch of Joes on on another type model aircraft to deliver this ca- this part, which I would assume 95% of the time is cannibalized from another plane, too. <laughs> and then install it off check it and all that shit like well we had a good two week vacation can you imagine hey it's like that is, is it coming in hey can you guys bring us that part why well we need it we're broke man we've been flying without that for six months <laughs> oh you have uh yes ah well then uh i guess we'll spool up the engines and uh, take off ourselves <laughs> <laughs> great uh now again going <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. That's, no, sorry. I was just thinking of that meme where it's from uh, Meet the Millers with Jennifer Aniston and uh, what's his face. And they're like drug smugglers bringing with <laughs> driving a camper from Mexico. They made the meme out. of It was like, oh, I'm only got $15. Wait, you got $15. I only got 10. You got 10. I got five. And then the last one, you guys are getting you guys are getting paid. <laughs> so I feel like with the parts, right? oh, we don't have all the parts. Yeah, we only have this many. We only have this many. Wait, you guys got parts? Like, <laughs> you I feel are... like that that one aircraft in the back collecting dust is like parts, please. <laughs> <laughs> right. You guys are getting parts. <laughs> so so again, you know, we're talking about standards now, right? Like for every hundred hours, you should only be cannibalizing this much, etc. Now, again, going back to the guidance for I would assume for both the military and the civilian world, whenever an aircraft gets grounded it shouldn't or cannibalized it shouldn't remain grounded for more than 30 consecutive days let me tell you how much of a lie that is <laughs> well i would like to see what manual that's written in other than this document where is that guidance directed from yeah the military aircraft i i can tell I can you tell you no unit that i've worked for at least with uh navy or military has abided by that one yeah it's the commercial ones at that and they're the ones who make the damn thing uh, and then some aircraft between MVPs and I's experience, I've seen some that have been down for more than 300 days. I- I've seen an aircraft man at one point in time was down for 425 days. I, I we we like pretty much forgot about that aircraft. Like, holy shit, we still have this thing because <laughs> it's just like tucked in the corner, like away out of sight, out of mind. And one day we're just like walking by the hangar, like, holy shit, there's another plane in here, <laughs> or. Or you get one and finally a part shows up and, and it's got the tail number on it. And you're like, oh, my God, I forgot we had I forgot we had that aircraft. Right. <laughs> we pushed it out behind the hangar. Right. And then uh, uh, this one article was talking about an aircraft that was down for 300 plus days. And the um, maintenance and material control officer 
reported that there was that aircraft was missing 111 parts. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, well, Jesus over 100 Christ. parts. That's crazy. Yeah, like oh my god. Like so I, we I, have multi-million dollar assets. Just as they're just giant paperweights, super expensive paperweights is what yeah, they are. Just collecting dust. Now, when this happens, like when an aircraft is down for more than 30 days, all oh, people start asking questions, right? Now, for the military, they have their own accountability office. If this was civilian, you guys would be getting fired left and right. Like, why the fuck is this plane collecting dust for more than 30 days, right? Oh, and, yeah, big time. Because, I mean, both, well, let's face it, both civilian and military, I mean, it's not making money if it's sitting on the ground, right? Mm-hmm, That's just mm-hmm. how it is with aircraft. Yeah. And I've seen somewhere like uh, u- whole units or even commercial airliners would have like as much as 20 of their 29 aircraft down for parts or maintenance. <laughs> and six of them were all cannibalized aircraft just to piecemeal them together enough just to have them flying. Not flying great, but they're just flyable, air quote flyable. <laughs> yeah, flyable enough to require that one time ferry permit to get it from point A to point B. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, what's it like? Single sh- single shot it is what I've heard some yep, of them call single it. Single shots. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's so crazy. Uh, a thousand maintenance hours. Okay, so after that aircraft had been missing 111 parts, uh, it would take more than a thousand maintenance hours to return the aircraft to a flying status. Uh, and another example for uh, four uh, canned F-18 aircraft were missing so many parts that they were referred to as wind chimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start using that. I've got a bunch of wind chimes in the hangar. <laughs> Wind chimes. Instead of no, hanger I, queens or whatever, it's just gonna be wind chimes from now yeah, on. Yeah, hanger yeah, I've heard hanger queens a lot. Hanger queens, uh the can pig or the the can bitch, but not wind chimes. Def, definitely gotta do that one now. <laughs> wind chimes. <laughs> wind chimes. That's so funny. That's from all the air like blowing through it and it's making those whistling noises. That's what it means. <laughs> Clanging shit around, slapping open panels and flight control surfaces. Oh, listen to this one. As of May as of May 2001, one aircraft had as much as 400 parts missing. <laughs> oh you, do you even have an aircraft at that point? Like, yeah. Yeah. What is, what is, what is, I would like to know what's left of that aircraft after 400 parts are missing. I mean, yeah, I know aircraft have thousands and thousands and thousands of parts, depending on how small you want to break it down to each and every O-ring and bolt and seal and whatever else. But, but to make it, to be missing 400, like, what What are you at this point? Well, you're a wind chime, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're a wind chime, not a literal wind chime. Like, just hang you on a piece of string. <laughs> that's all you're good for. <laughs> like, that's at that point, why don't you just donate the thing? You'll get more in tax write-offs for donations than you would trying to fix it. Yeah, or that's where majority of, like, student A&P mechanics get their planes, right? It's just, like, some yeah, yeah. half-beat old birds. Half-beat the shit, like, that's just been gutted for ev- what it's worth. <laughs> Just get like yeah, all hole. the expensive stuff was taken out and it's just a hole. <laughs> oh shit. This is so terrible. It is. It's it's in, it's insanity. Yeah. I mean, uh, we can we it like the, this report, man. Like granted it again, we've been saying it's been 20 years old, but this paint this this picture hasn't changed much in the 20 years that we've been witness to let's call it that we've been witness to it's the same old story day in day out and again it's just to make the operations happen it's to make the revenue flights happen it's because somebody uh wants the the flight to happen 
more than the safety of maintenance. Uh, I mean, that's more or less what it boils down to. Like, my paycheck means more than your sleep in a nutshell, really. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It's so fun. I mean, I don't I don't foresee it's been a problem for 20 years. It's been it's going to be a problem for the next 20 years. It'll be a problem. It was a problem for the 20 years prior to this report. You know, it's just. Uh, yeah, just reading down through here. It says the army has taken the least formal approach to addressing cannibalization. <laughs> There's like, ah, fuck it. Just pull the parts and or should I write that down somewhere? I don't know. Get a grease pen and write it on the outside of the aircraft. Just let me tape a piece of paper there and says, remove this. <laughs> I, li- I like this one where it says like cannibalizations do not replace a broken part with a new one, but with a used one. Cannibalizations do not restore a component to its full projected life expectancy, but rather increases the chance that the same component will break down prematurely. <laughs> Say it ain't so. <laughs> just, yeah, I'll, I'll clearly, you know, like you don't get a reset. You just like, okay, now you just went from zero hours to two instead of zero hours to 200. So look at this. Uh, readiness and operational demands put heavy pressure on the supply system to provide parts immediately and wherever they may be needed. Local commanders are willing to do whatever is necessary to keep their rate readiness rates high, even if this requires cannibalizing aircraft constantly and having personnel routinely work overtime. All about making them numbers look good, man. That's all the commander gives a shit about. What I need my numbers look good to make that next rank. Yep, and that goes to the whole... That goes to the number fudging, that goes to the undocumented uh, maintenance, that goes into unreported or or uh, what's that other word, like omitted reporting or something where like it's or doctored reporting. You yeah, know? I mean, and that's and that's in every facet of the organization, even with even with quality. Right. Which is what I and uh, six in are, are in now, even even now, it's one of those like we can only report so many things and the rest of it, we notice things, but we can't write it up it'll make the numbers look bad for the month and if we the numbers look bad when the next contract year comes around then uh we can't have bad numbers over that past year because then we get less money but you're like yeah but there are some inherent problems here we really need to fix yeah just just do your best <laughs> okay good. do our best <laughs> great grand. yeah yeah good great grand. Do my best Thanks. moving on i'm helping <laughs> i am helping look at me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I need you to sign this report so I can go away. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, man, that's... Dude, I feel like that so much. Hey, we have another fail. I just need you to sign this as acknowledgement. Yeah, I'll get to it. No, it doesn't work that way. I need you to sign <laughs> this so I can go away. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. <laughs> I need you to sign this this iCar so I can go away. Please, <laughs> I've I've been trying to help them for two whole days. <laughs> your failures are your own, old man. <laughs> <laughs> the oh, Navy man. Inspector General, as you said, Gen- oh, has, I'm never gonna get that down, huh? <laughs> nope. Has cited three other reasons for cannibalizations related to maintenance deficiencies: one, lack of experience and insufficient training on the part of the maintenance personnel. Two outdated maintenance manuals. Oh, oh man. wow! That has been a that has been a 
that has been a real recent fight. I mean, it's not a real recent fight in our industry, but this has been a personal real recent fight for me on the program. I mean, God, God. (laughs) Uh, And three, lack of testing equipment, which has also been a very recent uh, battle of mine. Mm. Not recent, again, not recent to the industry, not even recent to me, but it's just something that's been hitting close to home very recently for me. Just because it's been uh, the reason for my hair loss over the past couple of weeks. Oh, here's another. Uh, Cannibalizations are sometimes done to diagnose a problem or to identify which component is not working properly. Woo! I can tell we you how think many- this one's not working, so we're going to go ahead and pull that one out and slap in this other one. That's back to shotgun parts. Boom! Did that fix it? Nope. Boom! How about now? Nope. Uh, we'll just keep loading and trying. Yeah. Ooh, um, he's trying. He's trying. <laughs> um, like this reminds me exactly of this one instance. I think we mentioned this in a previous episode where we had an aircraft that was having a bad igniter box. And the first step was like, okay, replace the igniter box. But instead of just like replacing it and calling it a good day, they decided to like do some scientific experiment where they stuck it in a fridge and then try to stick it back in the plane. Like, what the fuck? Why? <laughs> yeah. What? Why? Why would you do that? Wait, why, why are we doing? And then we find out that what's causing the, the igniter box uh, problem was the ground support equipment, not the aircraft or the part itself. Gee, imagine that. And it even wow, says, right. Nobody even decided to look there. Hmm? Yeah, it's even step one of the procedure. Ensure ground support equipment are serviceable prior to engagement with the aircraft. Say it ain't fucking so. <laughs> I know. It's just like, it's God, this is a. Uh... It's only year of report, but man, it's just been touching on so many points that I'm sure many of us, and especially for six and myself, have uh, been dealing with over the past. Well, we've been working together for four years now. Yes. And so uh, over just in the past four years alone, all all this has come up at some point. Yeah. And what what's the what's the real answer to break the cycle? I mean. It, it really comes down to two things. Either one, improve the, the supply system, which it's already a bad one itself. And then two, to like limit either A, the amount of cannibalizations to do or limit the flight ops of the aircraft we're trying to use it for. That's really what we, we are able to do. Now, is this going to happen? Probably not. Probably not. But no. The, and, what I, and from my own perspective, what I feel the fix is in this situation the fix is you just have to have an overabundance of parts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's just not going to happen. It's, yeah. just, it's from, and again, back to the cost and the numbers. Nobody, if we have a fleet of 10 aircraft, let's say, and we're some of the stuff we're running is, is old, outdated Vietnam era equipment. We're not going to have, uh, three spares for each aircraft sitting on the shelf ready to go. It's just not going to happen. We also don't have a, you know, in many of these instances, we don't have adequate back shops or, or overhaul facility setups to that work in a timely manner that we can send parts back to. And we'll send it to them on a Monday and have it back by a close of business Friday. Like it's just not going to happen. Doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't happen that quick. No. Yeah, not at all. And and again, the other the only other fix is to limit the amount of operations you do or the amount of revenue flights you do. And we know for sure that shit ain't gonna happen because Hell no. 
you know, we got to have, we got to make money. We got to have training and we got to make mission happen. That's just hands down. So I guess the only uh, foreseeable fix is to just know when to can and know when to call it quits, you know? Yeah. That's, that's really it. Well, and the, the other stuff, like we're training personnel to actually know how to diagnose a problem without just say, yo, let's just shotgun parts at it. That's more common than you would think. Like, um, we, like we were talking about the igniter box, but there's been multiple different instances where we have no idea what the hell's going on. And the only diagnosable f- or the only testable fix is to try a new part from another plane and see if that works or install the suspected bad part and then stick it on a good plane and see if it fucks up which is fucking retarded but it's happened (laughs) happened will happen has happened continue to happen yep that's exactly it man uh there's no uh until there's a steady supply stream which is let's face it probably not gonna happen any any time in our lifetime yeah yeah probably not probably not ever um so i mean what's the what's the the final thought here, at least from my end, is, I mean, uh, cannibalizations happen. They're, they're going to happen. And, and and the whole point of it being done is to bridge a gap with uh, the supply system. But if you're using that to circumvent or to supersede the supply system, you already fucked up. You know? Like, yeah, I mean, before you ever can the part, I would hope your first step would be to go and get with supply and see if there's even one available, right? And then if there is one available, where is it located? How long is it going to take to get there? Yakety, yakety, yak, all those things. Yeah. Um, but if your first stop is, oh, we got a broken part. Cool. I'm just going to steal it off of here. Nah. Nope. You messed up. Yeah. You should have should have seen if there's any any spares available first. Yeah. And then the second one would be like, how important is this flight? Like, Like, what's the backlash if this flight doesn't happen? Okay, we lose like $500, we lose $1,000, we lose $1 million. Okay, got it. If it's something along the lines of life or death, okay, for sure, fucking do it. But if it's one of those like, yeah, we, we can take the L on that one. We're, we'll be fine. I mean, go ahead and take it, in my honest opinion. Versus you trying to throw a whole bunch of man hours to swap parts and then your flight ends up being like a whatever's familiarization flight or a whatever's morale flight then you just fucking you kill the whole bunch of hours so people can go draw circles in the sky i'm sorry it's not worth the headache in my opinion no people lost people lost time away from their family just so just so this uh young airman can go uh burn burn one lap around the flagpole like it's which (laughs) has happened right yeah we've had you've had uh, 15 people stay and work uh, 18 hour shift to make the flight ready so the guy can so the and the flight lasts less than 30 minutes so you wasted over a million dollars probably worth of time and not a million dollars in time but probably let's just say several hundred thousand dollars in time and uh, and parts and everything else just for a th- less than 30 minute flight no, that's not uh, that's not the way I would do it. Uh, for all of you listening, uh, ask your current places if there is a uh, canned list, and if there's those numbers there you can look at and maybe and, and peruse through and just see what uh, if there's any common trends. Right? You might say, "Hey, we've had to can this part for 
for so long or so many times, why uh, get with quality or and, and supplier quality and say, hey, we might have an issue with the supplier? Yeah. Oh, well, maybe we didn't know that, actually. Okay, and they get with the supplier and say, what happened here? Oh, we actually switched suppliers and the supplier, the new supplier is using uh, cheaper parts to replace it. And that's why all these issues are coming up. Oh, okay. Well, then that's something we need to address. Yeah. Uh, and I use that example because that's uh, something very real that, that happened uh, with one of the programs six and I were on about two and a half years ago, something like that. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. So, and if your company doesn't have those numbers, uh, take it upon yourself and work with somebody, uh, one of your analysts or whatever, and see if you can start creating a, creating a database like that, uh, be show good effort on your part give you some valid data. And you might be able to approach, uh, you know, the executive realm and say, Hey, look, we've wait, we wasted last year, $2.2 million in cannibalizations where if we would have just gone this route, we could have, uh, we would only spent 1.2 or something like that. Let me tell you, when it comes to these organizations and corporations, you can show them where they can save money. They're going to do it. Yeah. Especially <laughs> when it's in the, in the millions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it's millions like that, they're going to do it. Yes, sir. Uh, any, any other closing thoughts there, MVP? No, that's pretty much it. Yeah, man. I mean, we, 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 we talked a whole bunch of shit in this and it may have offended a, a whole bunch of people, but in reality, this stuff does happen and it's continually happening as we speak. I guarantee oh. there's at least a hundred cans that happened within the, within the past hour of you listening to this episode. <laughs> That's just well, the reality. If of you're it. offended, be offended at your, at your federal government, because this was their report from 2001 that they, from the government accounting office accountability office that they did on themselves yeah <laughs> so if you're mad be mad at, be mad at the government yeah or be mad Too at them for <laughs> <laughs> be mad at them for tell, uh, tattletelling on your fuck-ups yay, yay. <laughs> all right on that note thanks everybody <laughs> <laughs> bye we'd like to take this time to thank our patrons for supporting our show and allowing us to continue to make episodes maintain our gear and create merch for all of our listeners with special thanks to Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins, Ryan Freshour, Dan Schubert, Jenny Dignan, and the ladies of the Dick Talk and Mimosas podcast. Thank you all so much for your support and patronage. Visit our shop at cancelformaintenance.com and grab some swag to show off both your support for us and your prowess as an aircraft technician. If you have ideas for the show or you'd like to be a guest on the show, Visit our contact us section and send us a line. We will do what we can to get your ideas or yourself on the show. You can also follow us on social media such as on Facebook at Cancel for Maintenance, Instagram at Kanks, that's C-A-N-X for Maintenance Podcast, or on Twitter at CXMX Podcast. Check out some of our affiliates like Rockwell Time, where they make both rugged and classy watches to fit your lifestyle. Use the code CX4MX and save 10% off your purchase. Support us on Patreon. Our patrons get exclusive perks such as access to our Discord, discounts and early access to merch, special patron-only episodes, and so much more. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.